like the folks who who win and, and succeed and victors and we like we like to watch movies that everything goes well the the shining the guy, the guy in the shining armor and the, gets the princess and runs off to the sunset and everything goes well i wish that how life it is but reality is there's it doesn't always go that way it's not and you and it, what i love about the bible is it tells the truth it doesn't try to it doesn't try to to try to hide people, it, the Bible is for people where the how it is, the way people are. It's 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 the Word of God, and it, it, it tells the good, the bad, and the ugly. We looked at Noah's virtues, then we looked at Noah's vices. And this this morning, or excuse me, this evening, we're going to look at at Noah. At uh, if I can find my Bible, it's down here. I better get it. <laughs> we're going to look at no at Abraham, or actually Abram and look at how God used him in a great way. So Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 12, and starting in verse 1. This evening, Genesis chapter 12 in verse 1. And the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, into a land that I will show thee. It will make thee a great nation, I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curses thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Father, we thank you for tonight once again. Thank you for this time we can come and look to your word. Holy Spirit of God, speak. Help us, Lord Jesus, to listen to your voice. Give us ears to hear. May we grow in our relationship with you. Do what you must do in our lives to conform us to that image. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we here we find this man by the name of Abram. He is from the pla a place called the Ur of the Chaldees. Ur of the Chaldees is basically the Persian, what we know as the Persian Gulf today. It was, as I studied and, and, and looked at it, it was one of the most civilized places in the world. Fleets of merchant ships would float in the Indian Ocean, settling and bringing their wares to distant places of the countryside. It was a place of great development, intricate legal system. People were involved in gem engraving, metalworking, planting, harvesting, weaving, it was not just a, a simple place for Abram to leave. It wasn't, he wasn't living in some type of cave. Sometimes we get this idea that folks back, back here in Genesis were just like cavemen. You know, they had like two teeth in their head, long hair, big, big stick, and they didn't have a whole lot of clothes in like a caveman. No, these were highly intelligent people. They weren't, they were folks, they were some of the smartest people that ever walked the earth, and they lived longer, so they had they had they had experience. A lot of times we fail in life because simply we don't have the experience. How many times have you done something wrong? The, you did it wrong the first time, then you learned the lesson and did it differently the second time. Well, I hope you did. <laughs> I hope after you uh, after your check bounced the first time, you didn't go bouncing it every day because that can get very costly. Uh, oh me, <laughs> it, can, it can get it can get difficult. I hope the first time. You didn't pay off that credit card and you realize they're going to charge you 25% interest until you pay that thing off. I hope you didn't go the next the next week and you go think you get another credit card. Man, you guys got quiet all of a sudden. Because <laughs> you know what? That will cost you something. That's cost you something. It's difficult, but sometimes you have to learn a lesson the hard way. And, and sadly, the hard way is sometimes the best way. It's why it's called the school of hard knocks. It's just like beating your head against that wall. It's awful hard. It's awful hard. That's why it's very important that we listen. Abram was leaving a place 
that was, that was proficient in mathematics. In fact, mathematical formulas have been found, they're working on that, they're still working on to this day. You can find some mathematicians even today. They were proficient in astronomy and Ur. This was the height of cultural, cultural civilization at the time. So there in Ur lived a family, a Semite family. Now remember, we looked at the descendants of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Remember last time we talked about how Ham was cursed because he looked on the nakedness of Noah. Noah had gotten himself drunk, and he, got, he became naked, and Ham looked on it. Because of that, his descendants, Cain, Cain, uh, Canaan was, was cursed. And so in this, in this, in this pagan society, the descendants of, of Ham uh, ruled and reigned. And this Semite family, this, this Jewish family, were, idolat- were lived in this society which was idolatrous and immoral. But right in the midst of this idolatrous and wicked society, here was, here was Terah, Abram's dad and family, and here was, here was Abram. You know, sometimes people have an idea, unless I come from a perfect family or perfect situation, I can't serve God. Abram was in a pagan society and had a pagan father, pagans all around him, and he still chose to do right. You see, it's not based on what other people around you do. It's based on what you do. Christianity is not about me, my wife, my kid, my, my son, my daughter. No, Christianity is a relationship between me and God alone. You have to choose Jesus for yourself. If you're choosing Jesus because your friends are choosing Jesus, well, that's good influence, but what happens when they quit choosing Jesus? Husband, what happens if your wife quits coming to church? You're going to quit coming to church because your wife quit coming to church? Wife, you're going to quit coming to church because your husband quits coming to church? Are you going to live for Jesus only because somebody around you is living for Jesus? Now, again, it's good to have an influence, but you must choose Jesus yourself. Abram chose God even though his family did not choose God. And you have to choose God. Because sometimes in life, you have to walk with God alone. You have to walk through the valley of shadow of death, not holding someone's hand and not sewing someone's hand, but it's just you and God. And really, in reality, it's always just you and God. Because when you stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ, it's not going to be you and your family. I'm not going to be there with you. It's going to be you eyeball to eyeball with Jesus Christ, and he's going to review your life for, for rewards or no rewards. So how are you living your life? Are you living your Christian life based on how other people live your life? Or are you living your Christian life based on what the Word of God says? Is God speaking to you? Or is God speaking to other people to you? So here it was, choosing to live for God even in an idolatrous situation. God wants to use you. What was God's threefold command to Abram? First of all, we see here, it basically says, leave your society. Look at verse 1. Now the Lord said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country uh, from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee. Leave your society. <laughs> leave the place. Leave this place that is civilized. Leave the comforts. Leave your, leave your Walmart. What? Leave your Coles. Leave your Starbucks and your Dunkin' Donuts. Leave your malls, ladies. Leave your malls, your places where you... Hey, you got Amazon anyways, right? <laughs> I don't even think Amazon was, was in the place where Dave Abram was going. He, didn't have, he, he, he had a place of plenty 
He was going from a place of plenty to a place that he didn't even know about. And sometimes God asks us to do those things. <laughs> I think that even the New Testament believers given to the challenge that, oh, that we're in society, we're not part of society. As I've said before, this world is not our home. We're so accustomed to the comforts of things, aren't they? Aren't we? Yeah, there, there, there we, have, we have a restaurant here, here. I mean, this is church row. If some poor soul said they wanted to go to church, they just any, many, money mo. And they would probably hurt their toe by going to a lot of bad churches. I'm sorry, but it's probably true. But here we recognize that Abram chose to leave his society. He chose to leave, leave his society. We have to realize that this society is not our home. That we're not supposed to make friendship with this society. We're supposed to witness to this society, encourage the society to live for Christ. But dear friend, you can, this society can destroy your relationship with God. It can, it can pull you away from things that are godly. We have to be careful of that. The Bible says in Proverbs 27, verse 17, a man sharpened the countenance of his friend. You have to choose who your friends. This old world, this worldly system is not your friend. <laughs> it, will, it will hurt you. It will, it will take from you. And ultimately, it will destroy you. Because this society is built, is, is built on wealth and power and, and, and the now. Instead of, instead of, instead of humility, uh, humble spirit, and eternal. So if you base your life on the society rules, you're going to lose. Because society is opposite of, this, of, of God. The society of this world is run by its ruler, and that's Satan. <laughs> He's the puppet master that pulls the string over politicians, over what's been going on these last couple of years and, 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 our, and our, with our health. <laughs> All these things are happening for a purpose and a, re and a reason. We have to choose to do right. Bible says in Proverbs 4.27, Turn not thy right hand from the left, remove thyself from evil. Blessed is a man, Psalm 1.1, that walketh not in the counts of the ungodly, nor standeth the way of sinners, but sitteth in the seat of unscornful. If you find yourself in society that's wicked, you're going to have to walk alone. Some of you work at jobs where it is pure wickedness. The boss is wicked, all the people, all the people around you are wicked. And you're going to have to make a choice to live for God among people that are not righteous. You said it's impossible. Joseph did it. He lived for God in Egypt. Daniel did it. He lived for God in Babylon. But you know what? You have to choose it because it's easy to conform to other people. It's easy to conform. The first command is basically leave your society. Leave your, leave your comfort. Leave what you know. Second command is leave your stability. He says, not only leave thy society, leave your, leave, he said, he said to Abram, leave and from thy kindred, leave your, leave your people. Not only did God command Abram to go forth from his country, but leave his relatives, the people he knew. Not just the things that he knew around them, the, the, the civility of it, he left the people that he knew the best. The people he could count on, the people, his uncle, his aunt, his cousins. He left, he missed the familiarity of the people he knew. Some people say, I got friends, and I got my church, and I got my life. I got a pattern, and I, I got my own way of living. Well, is, that, is that the way God wants you to live? 
I think God is telling Abraham to live all, leave all the old patterns, leave the familiar, leave the stability, leave the clan, leave the tribe and go. Sometimes the best thing to do is, is get away from those old habits, those old haunts, and those old relationships that will, that will tear you down. Elijah came to Elisha, and Elijah, Elijah said to Elisha, you have to leave your home. You have to leave it. <laughs> and what did Elijah do? He said, well, I'm going to keep all my farm instruments just in case there was a backup. No, he burnt them all. He did not have a plan B. He was willing to leave his home, leave his kindred, leave his family. Why? Because there was something that was greater there was something, there was, a, there was a greater need down the road. Think about our dear missionaries over there. Some going to the Philippines, some going to Brother Smith now going to, instead of China, because he can't get into China, is going to Taiwan, some in, some in Africa, some all, all over the world. They left their father and mother. They left their sweet times of Christmas and Thanksgiving and holidays and things that they got to do back in the U.S. of A. to go don't go, go tell the people about Jesus Christ. And dear friends, we, in a sense, ought to be ambassadors ourselves. We, can't, we may not go, to, maybe not go to, the, to the far reaches of the world like they do, but we can go across the street. And when we go, we can go with the gospel, with a gospel track or one of these little hangy, hang, uh, door hangers. We can go out and tell other people. We can encourage other people. We can leave our comfort and encourage other people to do right. God also commanded Abram to leave your security. Leave your father's house. Leave your society. Leave your stability and leave your security. Now, in the Middle East, your father's house gave you special identity. This was a place of your inheritance. He was going to leave a place where he had an inheritance to a place where he didn't know he was going to have the next meal. He didn't, know was, he didn't know what was going to be in Canaan. He didn't know what was going to be down in the promised land. He just heard from God and said, go. What's going to be next? Can you, can you give me a 401k? No. No. Can you have, do I have a life insurance policy? No. He had no insurance, no promise. He had no social security. He got no government check. He was not on welfare. He didn't have food stamps. He didn't have any of it. He had no backup system. All he had was God. And you know what? You know what? God's enough. Because God and you make a majority. He had the command of God to go. I heard the story of a little boy and his grandfather, who was his constant companion. They would go off into short trips together, to the grocery store sometimes to, to lake the fish wherever grandfather needed to go. The boy always tagged along. One day the grandfather said, let's go for a ride. The boy said, where are we going? The grandfather left without him. When he got, got back, the little boy said, Grandpa, you left me all by myself. Grandpa said, because you asked where we were going, if you really wanted to go with me, it wouldn't have mattered where we were going because you, you needed to go with me. Dear friend, if God calls you to do it, don't worry about all the particulars. Just say, God, just say God's call. That's what Isaiah did in the time, in time, the, the days that Uzziah died, the king who'd been there for so many years. Things were going well. Even though he was a wicked king, things were going well. Things were advancing in that society. He died. And what did Isaiah do? Isaiah got a new, 
He looked up, got a new vision, realized his own sinfulness, said, woe is me. I'm a man of, I dwell in a land of uh, unclean lips. I'm a man of unclean lips. And he got a new look at God. He got a new commission, went out and said, and said here am I, Lord, send me. Got a new, got a new mission. So, so oftentimes we ask ourselves, what's the benefits of it? <laughs> what's in it for me? What's the long-term benefits? Well, is obedience to God important to you? Is obedience to God the word worth? See, dear friend, the most important thing in life is to be right with God. Be right with God. To follow him. He says, leave your society, leave your stability, leave your security, leave it all behind. Leave it all behind. So often in life, we get so caught up in the rote and just doing the same old thing all the time. One pastor said, I observed a number of Christian organizations that have gone through the metamorphosis from pioneer organism to rigid, predictable organization. The work is begun by one person with a dream who risked it all in that dream. As the dream takes shape, the other people attach themselves to the original dreamer. Before long, a movement starts. Before long, an organized machine develops with departments and charts and budgets and detailed job descriptions. The next move, that they next, they, the next move, and that, uh, and that the one that by the grace of God our church will avoid is that calls on from the machine to the monument where procedures are set in concrete. Policies are unchangeable. Directions unchallenged. He continues following with these words. The monument is a tomb. In the process, we've moved from high risk to safety and certainty. In the framework of machine or monument, no one risks anything. In fact, all we need, all we all need our resources just to keep the machine moving. We become predictable. We do the same thing all the time. What if the Spirit of God spoke to you tonight and asked you to go do something? Like leave your job. Leave your house. Leave your security. And go be a missionary in a foreign land. Would you do it? We said, preacher, man, I'd leave my job. That's, I'm, I'm making good money there. But what if God wanted you to do it? I know a couple named Buzz and Judy Ferguson. In their 50s, God called them to help with an orphanage for boys in Canada. Now, in their 50s, he was thinking about retirement about 10 years or so. He was coming towards the end where he was going to have his house all paid for. And he looked at that and had to make a decision. I can, the rest of, I can live the rest of my life, work another 10 years, be secure, have my house paid for, and stay here in Greenville, South Carolina, keep going to church, keep hearing the word of God, and be disobedient. Or I can do what God wants me to do, wants me to do. Though I don't understand it, though I can't figure it out, I know it's what God's will. And you know what he did? He did it. In his 50s, in his 50s. Now, I know 50s is not too old, but that's not the time. Usually missionaries start their work for God usually in their 20s. But he left his security. He left his family. He left his stability. He left all that and said, God's called me to Canada. And he died in Canada. He ended well. He said, well, he could have stayed in Greenville, South Carolina. Oh, he could have stayed in Greenville, South Carolina. He could have kept going to church. He could have, he could have been faithful going to church and tithing and maybe get involved in some ministry there. But dear friend, that's not what God called him to do. You see, you always do what God wants you to do, even if it doesn't make sense. It did not make sense for 
Abram to leave Ur. It did not make sense for him to leave his father's house. It did not make sense for him to lose his to leave his inheritance, his stability, his family, his friends. But he did it anyways. Thank God for Adoniram Judson, the first American missionary, young, brilliant young person that at three years old could read Greek. Three years old, started reading Greek. I was twenty-three and I was struggling. <laughs> He had a cushy job after he graduated from college. He could have been a, a pastor in Boston. Oh, his parents were so happy. Oh, he's going to be close to home. Mama's going to get to see his boy, her boy. It was going to be perfect. He was going to be near his wife's parents, his future wife's parents. It was going to be perfect. The only problem is God called him to Burma. God called him to Burma. And that's where he went. He married Anne Hasseltam on his way to Burma. They've been married for a while. They have their first child on the way to Burma. They lost their first child on the way to Burma. Had to bury their first child in the waters, in the sea. Got there. For 12 years, they tried to learn the language. For 12 years, they tried to preach the gospel and get one, one person saved. It took 12 years for one person to get saved. 12 years of preaching, 12 years of faithfulness, 12 years of praying. And after 12 years, one got saved. 12 years. His first wife, Anne, died. His second wife died there. He lost several children over there. You think, well, that man's a failure. He's crazy. No, dear friend. He translated the New Testament into Burmese, and they're still using his Bible today. Abraham Ook, one of our missionaries, I talked to him not too long. I said, are they still using Aaron Judson's Bible that he translated over 100 years ago? They're still using it. Was this sacrifice worth it? What if he stayed in Boston in that cushy job there? If that was God's will, it would be God's will. But God's will for him was to leave America and go to a place. You say it cost him. Yes, it cost him. There was a cost. But you know what? The cost was worth it. The cost was worth it. Charles Spurgeon said of Abram, he was shipwrecked on the island of God's sovereignty. You see, folks, the reality is, the reality is when you're in the will of God, <laughs> you're the center of God, nothing can harm you. When you're in the center of God, well, we've been here for the last couple of years. Peace and safety. Peace and safety. Oh, be safe. Have peace. Are you okay? Peace. Six foot apart. Wear this, do this, go there. Safety, safety, safety. Why is the world concerned with safety? Because this is all the world has. This is all this world has is this place. Dear friend, this is not my destination. This is just temporary for me. Nowhere in the scriptures do you find the commandment to have safety. <laughs> Dear friend, there's not a person in the New Testament that didn't die for their faith who wrote the part of the scriptures. Matthew died, Mark died, James, John, Peter, Paul. They all died for the, for the faith. It's not about security and safety. It's about doing God's will. How long am I going to live? Just as long as God allows you to live. You see, friend, safety is not me. Safety is of God. It's not so important that I be safe. It's more important that I obey his will. Are you in the center of God's will? Are you doing what he wants you to do? 
Are you doing everything to line up? Well, if I do this, I'll make this much. If I do that, I'll make that much. If I do that, I'll make that much. Oh, dear friend, if that's what God wants you to do, but you better begin with God and say, because you only have one life. If you live in it to extend your dreams, you failed. But if you live your life to complete God's dreams, you'll be so glad you did. And in doing God's will, you say, well, man, if I do God's will, he may send me to Africa. You'll be so happy in Africa, you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't even explain it. You talk to the Wilkerson's, call them today and say, how you doing over there, Brother Nate? Is it hard over there? Brother, I'm loving it. Brother Wilkerson, remember Brother Wilkerson? He was here. Remember him a couple years ago, missionary? Call him up. Have you having a hardship, brother? Do you have enough to eat? You read his letters. He's praising God. He's seeing people saved. Dear friend, praise God for it. Praise God for it. We see God's God's threefold command to Abram. But secondly, threefold blessing to Abraham. Because, dear friend, whenever you obey God, there's always a blessing. <laughs> there's always a blessing. First, the blessing of, prom of, of prominence. Verse 2, and I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. Just as chapter 11 is 4, and they said, Go, let us build a city and tower whose top may reach into heaven. Let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the earth. In chapter 11, those folks, those wicked folks trying to build a, a, a tower, a, an edifice to get to heaven, were focused on their fame. But God says, no, that's not, about, that's not the way to get fame. Doing your way is not the, get, the way to get fame. You do, you do things my, my way, I'll give you fame. I'll bless you. We're talking about Abram thousands of years after the fact. Why? Because he obeyed God, and God blessed him. And the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 2, 27, verse 2, Let another man praise thee, not thine own, a stranger in thine own lips. God blessed Abram because he was obedient. It was a blessing of prominence. Second, it was a blessing of protection. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee. Abram didn't have to protect himself. God protected him. God took care of them. You know, to the degree, even to the day, that we... As a nation, love and help Israel, we're blessed. You see, you see other countries who fought against Israel, how'd it go? Remember that seven-day war? How'd it go? <laughs> not too good, not too good. Why? Because even now, God, through Abraham's obedience, is blessing the nation. Even today, God's blessing them. And that blessing's to any country that chooses to make Israel their friend. Thirdly, the blessing of promise. It says, in, all, in, in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed, including all the families of the earth, not just the Jews, not just the Semites, but all the families through us. Because of Abraham's obedience, even we are blessed. Galatians chapter 3, verse 8. In the scripture, foreseeing God would, just, would, justi, just, would justify the heathen through the faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, in thee all nations shall be blessed. Verse 9, so then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Because of his faithfulness, Israel is blessed. Because of his faithfulness, we are blessed. Galatians 3, 28, there's neither Jew nor Greek, neither is bond nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. If you be Christ and you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Oh, dear friends, we're going to get to fellowship with Abram. We're going to get to see him. 
And because of his obedience, we're blessed. And that's just how God's work works. When you're obedient, it doesn't just affect you, it affects everybody around you, doesn't it? But when you're disobedient, it not only affects you, it affects everybody around you negatively. Blessing and obedience is, a, is such a wonderful thing and such an encouraging thing that we should all strive every day to choose to obey God. Your obedience, Abraham, will bring, I will bring from your seed, God is saying, and the ones that bless you throughout the whole world. God's threefold command to Abraham. God's threefold blessing to Abram. And finally, Abram's terrific response. Look at his response, verse 4. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was 70 and 5 years old. He wasn't a spring chicken. 75 years old, he says, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Would you leave Gainesville at 75 years old and go to somewhere you don't even know where you're going? Would you go, would you go to 75? Would you leave your, would you leave your comfort? Would you leave your, would you leave your friends, your kinfolk, your security at 75 years old? He did it. He did it at 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. Abram departed as the Lord has spoken to him. How, what do we see? Submission First, submission is believing God without comprehending. You see, you say, a preacher, I have to see it before I actually do it. You'll never, you'll never do it then. You see, before Moses could see the Red Sea parted, he actually had to stick his foot in the water. If you want the blessing, it's not going to happen until you choose to believe. Until you choose to believe, you'll never see. People say, I got to see it, I got to see it, I got to see it. No, no, no. Don't worry about seeing it. Worry about listening to what God has to say and be sensitive to the Spirit of God and believe the Word of God, trust the Word of God. He'll show you. Has God failed you in all your years in all your years that you've been living? Ever one time told you to go somewhere, led you astray, ever lied to you? Man, no. He's always been faithful to you. He always will be. Abram was submissive and believing without comprehending. Secondly, he was, he was, we see this submission and obeying without understanding. That's what we read in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. By faith, Abram, when he was called to go out to a place which he should receive after for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. He didn't know. <laughs> Imagine the day you say, well, I'm going on summer vacation. And I say, well, okay, where you go? You say, I don't know. You don't know. Pikes Peak? I don't know. Grand Canyon? I don't know. Smoky Mountains? I don't know. Canada? I don't know. I'm just going to get in my car with my kids, my dog, my cat. God bless you. You're going to have a few arguments, I promise you. Better stop a lot. I don't know where we're going to go, but I'm just going to keep going until I get there. Well, that's great. We probably, as you walk out the door, we probably shake our head and say, we we'll probably never see that person ever again. No, dear friend, you usually have a destination when, you, when you're going somewhere. But Abraham didn't even, Abram didn't even know. He didn't even know. He was trusting God that he didn't have to, he didn't have to understand it. He, he didn't have to comprehend it. He just simply went. He just said, go. God said, go, and he simply went. Wow. What a wonderful God. What a wonderful God. Think about the men and women who died for your freedom. Did they understand everything they were going to do? When they joined up, they probably had a sense of possibly they may live, they may lose their lives, but did they, but they, but did they grasp it? Does any of us grasp when we first agreed to do something, the extent of it? 
When you first, when you first got married, did you understand the extent of it? Boy, nobody saying anything in here. We got quiet. You got quiet. You got quiet. Real quick. We got quiet. When you first had kids, did you understand the extent of it? When you first signed up for that job, did you understand the extent of it? No, you didn't understand the full, the full, the finality of it, the, the depth of it, the all that was going on. No, you just stepped into it by faith. By faith. Believing, trusting. And dear friend, that's what God wants us to do. He wants to submit ourselves without comprehending. He wants us to obey without understanding. Simply trusting. Simply trusting. You trust God. We say, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on thine understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. You say, preacher, that's easy to quote, easy to preach. Hard to live. Hard to live. Are you living it today? What if God's calling you to do something different, radical? Would you do it? Would you do it? It's easy to go with the flow, isn't it? It's easy when that paycheck's coming every two weeks, isn't it? It's easy when you got that insurance taken care of, the house is paid for. You feel security. You feel security. Oh, how nice that is, security. But dear friend, where in the Bible does it say you seek security? No, it doesn't say security. It says, seek me. Seek me with all your heart. I close with this story. I heard about a lady who lived in Melbourne, Australia. She got saved, got involved in the church. She went to the preacher. She said, she said I want to get involved in some ministry. She didn't know what, she didn't know what, she, she didn't know what to do. And she just kept praying about it, kept praying about it, kept praying about it, and went to the preacher and, he said, keep praying about it. What's God called you to do? He said, I don't know. You know, not the nursery, not the choir. She couldn't usher. She couldn't preach. <laughs> you, can, you can laugh every once in a while, guys. I mean, it's okay. <clears throat> she said, no, I'm not going to do any of those things. I'm gonna, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. She was led to take a three-by-five card and go to the Melbourne University and simply go around to the students and she, she went and she put by their, their locker room or their cafeteria a simple little note. It says, are you homesick? Come to my home for tea at 4 o'clock. That's all she did. She went around giving these little three-by-five cards. Are you homesick? Come to my house. Now, for two weeks, she didn't hear anything. Nothing. One kid showed up, 4 o'clock, to talk to her. Just sit down and have some tea. That kid went home and told all his friends. She told all, he told all her friends. In, at the end, I read, she had a ministry with those kids on that campus for 10 years. At her funeral, there was no less than 70 pallbearers, Indonesians, Malaysians, Indians, Pakistanians, international students from all over the world that she personally had the opportunity to lead to Jesus Christ. It'd been easy for this lady to say, I'm just a single lady. What can I do for Jesus? What can I do for Jesus? The temptation is to do nothing. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to go through harm. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. See what's in common with that? I. 
but instead of focusing on I, focus on him and others. And when you focus on God and others, God will use that availability, that desire, that hunger, that thirst to do something more, more, more than just sit home 12 hours and watching the TV, more than just sitting at home watching the weeds grow, more than just living a life waiting to die, more, more. Oh, that God would put in each one of our hearts the thirst to do more, to leave our comfort, security, and ask the God of heaven, what would you have me to do? Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. God, we need more. <laughs> we need more people who hunger and thirst after righteousness. We need more people who are willing to say, I'll go. I'll do whatever he wants me to do. You may say, I don't know what he wants me to do, but I'll be available. <laughs> I'll be available. First of all, you know, do you know Christ is your Savior? Without Christ being your Savior, dear friend, you're in, you're, in bad, you're in a bad state. Without Christ as your Savior, you have no hope. You have no help. Without Christ as your Savior, oh, dear friend, how, how difficult your situation is, is. I hope today that everyone in this room knows Christ as their Savior. It's been a time in your life where you placed your faith in Jesus Christ. But knowing Jesus Christ, are you living according to God's will tonight? Could you say with all honesty, I am in the center of God's will, and I know it. With head, head bowed and eyes closed, maybe this evening, you would say, Preacher, I don't know what God's will is for my life, but I am willing to say to God tonight, I want to do whatever he wants me to do. I can say it with all honesty tonight. I really want to do whatever God wants me to do, and I am available for him to lead and guide and direct me, even if, it's different from the current path that I'm on tonight. How many of you say, preacher, that's my heart. I'm willing to do whatever God wants me to do. Whatever he wants me to do, wherever it is, however it is, however long it is, I'm available. Are you available if God was to speak to you tonight and tell you to go? Preacher, I'm available. That's me tonight. I'm available. I'm willing. I'm willing to do whatever he wants me to do. Amen. 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 Anybody else? I'm available. That's my heart. I don't know what he wants me to do, but I'm available to do it. I want to do it. That's my desire. That's my hunger. That's my thirst to be in the center of God's will. Anybody else tonight? Anybody else? Let's stand to our feet tonight. Let's sing this old wonderful hymn. Number 155, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. Have Thine Own Way. It says, I am the potter. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, yielded and still. Dear friend, are you yielded tonight? Are you yielded to the control of the Holy Spirit? Or will you stand before God? And you will stand before Jesus Christ, living, having lived your life your way. It's your way or God's way. There's just two choices on the shelf. Serving God or serving self? Which one are you going to do? Let's sing the first and last of this old hymn, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. Have thine own way, Lord. 
have thine own way. Won't you come tonight? Won't you come? God has spoken to your heart tonight. Won't you come? Yield yourself. Come to this altar. Ask God to help you. Ask God to give you direction. Put a stake down in your life. I'll do whatever God wants me to do. I'll do it. I'll surrender. I'll follow him. I'll obey him. Oh, I hope you will. Fourth verse. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Hold o'er my being. Absolute sway. Fill with thy spirit. Fill all thou Christ only always living in.